you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter 5. We're, we're continuing to look at the uh, God's plan for his church from 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5. My girls and I have been having a lot of fun playing with Legos. And I don't know if you've ever opened up one of those boxes of Legos. When your child finishes that set for the first time, and the, the, the instructions are fairly detailed there, the child says, look what I've done. And there's a sense of an accomplishment. I followed all the, the directions there, and I built this. But the more mature you are, the more you think, what an amazing design. I can't believe how all those seemingly random and strange parts fit together. How did they make that kind of motion out of these little blocks? I would have never thought of that. God has an amazing design for his church. A design that continually emphasizes our need of him and which brings glory only to him. It's his design, not ours. Now, God has given us instructions in his word regarding how the church is to accomplish his purpose. It's like the outside of a Lego box. It, it, it shows a finished picture. And God has given us some of these finished pictures in 1 Peter. One is in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It's a beautiful picture of what God's building. It actually is a building. You also, as living stones... Think of them as Lego bricks, or being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful picture. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, describes another beautiful picture, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's another beautiful picture. The churches in first century Asia Minor were suffering for their allegiance to Christ. They're suffering for their, for their proclamation of the gospel, for the holiness that marked them as, as strangers, as pilgrims. They were out of place and they were persecuted. God revealed to these suffering churches a marvelous picture of what he was building. But he also gave instructions for that church that he's building. And if Cornerstone Bible Church is going to be a church that fulfills its purpose and brings glory to its great designer, we have to function according to his instructions, including his instructions about authority and, and submission within the church. So this morning we're going to see from 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5, God's design for the church so that we fulfill our purpose in a way that brings him glory. We're going to see God's design for the church so that we'll fulfill our purpose in a way that brings him glory. And I've mentioned in, in the past, in verses 1, one through 5, that there are, are, are three commands that kind of shape this section. There's the command in verse 2 to the elders to shepherd the flock. There's command in verse 5 to younger men, likewise be subject to your elders. and the second half of verse 5, for all of you 
clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And my plan, Lord willing, is to look at, at the first of two this, this morning. Although, I'm kind of watching the clock because we're already a little behind, so we'll see. We're going to start this morning, and I'm going to read, read, read through, and then we're going to start the, with verse 2 with a command to shepherds. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Therefore, I, exalt, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, and not, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to start this, this morning in looking at Verse 2, the command to the shepherds. Now, we saw that this command really begins in, in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders, uh, the, the elders among you. And we look some how the elders is a group, a, a, a number of qualified men. And those qualifications are in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. A group of qualified men who've been set apart by God. That they serve according to God. But that calling is revealed by the desire that they have to do the work of the ministry, by the character that they have, by the approval of their giftedness, and by the affirming of, of the elders. In 1 Peter 5, 2, we see the, the command to these elders. I exhort the elders among you. What does he exhort them to do in the beginning of verse 2? Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. And we are going to, to spend the majority of this morning looking at what does it mean to, to shepherd. Because that is a, an analogy, really, that is lost in this world where we don't have shepherds. At least not this kind. To, to shepherd, briefly, means to, to protect the sheep. To protect the sheep by leading them, protect them by guiding them, to ensure their health by caring for them and feeding them and nurturing them. Peter expands to shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. So that word, exercising oversight, it's one word in, in the Greek. It means to pay attention, to watch over. Because one is, is, is concerned and because one cares, the noun is translated in Scripture as, as overseer. And it's the same office as an elder or pastor. That noun, overseer, the background of it is that it was used of the Greek gods who watched over, and one uh, lexicon describes it as, as the Greek gods who watched over treaties or cared for cities or, or protected markets. They took note uh, of offenses and punished them. So kind of in, you, you imagine the scenes of Zeus with all of the Greek gods watching over, and someone's watching over this city and and. And that was that, that word overseer. It was a term used for someone who oversaw a, a construction site or maybe oversaw a market. And it's used of Jesus in 1 Peter 2.25 where Peter describes Jesus as the one who's the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. That word guardian there is that word overseer. Although guardian is cooler. 
school if you guys started calling us guardians instead of elders. Guardian is a, it's not like something should have a cape to it. The elders are those who watch over, who pay attention to, who keep an eye on God's flock. And that is, by God's grace, our commitment to every one of you who are part of Cornerstone Bible Church. It's one of the reasons why the elders of Cornerstone Bible Church have chosen to utilize the tool of care groups. Now, care groups specifically, excuse me, by themselves are, 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 are not... Uh, exactly in scripture it is a tool that the elders use but it's one way that we seek to watch over the approximately 120 of you who are here each sunday by utilizing the tool of care groups we want to oversee one we want to care for you and we're thankful for the care group leaders and those care group leaders help us know how you are they help us know what you need need to be equipped in where you need encouragement where you need to be exhorted, and where you need care. Because with 120 people, we don't always know what is going on in each of your lives. And so we do that through the, 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 the care group structure. It's how we oversee. The two verbs, shepherd and overseer, together, and, and, and the, the verb oversee, together indicate a watchfulness for the good of others entrusted to one's care. See, shepherding is God's design. It's his blueprint for how the sheep are cared for. And that includes all of the sheep. It includes me. It includes all of us. It's God's plan for his sheep to be cared for. Now, shepherding must always be done in submission to Jesus Christ. We shepherd according to his rules. He is the chief shepherd. John 10, verse 11, describes Jesus as the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, 20, describes Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, uh, who, uh, even Jesus our Lord. And so having Christ as our shepherd, and he is the church's shepherd, it means listening to his instructions. It means listening to his instructions regarding how to care for his flock. In John 21, verses 15 to 17, as the Lord was reconciling Peter to himself, and I'll read it. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, or Peter, the same person who wrote First Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And this is why elders shepherd. It is because they love their Lord and they love his sheep. And so this is why we shepherd the sheep is because we love our Lord. And that is the motive. It's not because it is power tripping. It's not for a money grab. It is because we love our Lord and we love his sheep. Now, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, did not design for the sheep to shepherd their own souls. That was not God's design for sheep to shepherd their own souls. There's no lone sheep in God's instruction book. There's no sheep without flocks. A wandering sheep and one who, one who kind of wanders from field to field is not in God's instruction books. Sheep belong to a flock. In fact, not having a shepherd in Scripture is a reason for compassion. In Zechariah 10.2, 
says, therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted because there is no shepherd. That's a sad thing for them not to have a shepherd. Matthew 9, 36, Jesus, he saw the people. He felt compassion for them. They were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. The chief shepherd, Jesus' design, is for elders, the overseers, to shepherd you. Now, we've already seen Peter's encouragement to, to, to the elders in verse 1 of chapter 5. Uh, he, he, he encouraged them with this, with this, con, with this continuity that Peter himself, uh, I mean, in, in, in chapter 5, verse 1, that he was a fellow elder, that he's doing the same shepherding that they are doing, that he's a witnessing of the sufferings of Christ, that this is a path of suffering, it's a path of suffering that all Christians go through. But Peter looked forward to being a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. So he's writing that to the whole church, but, but, but specifically there to elders to encourage them. We saw, though, last week um, that Peter challenges the elders regarding what their motivation is. And this is going to be important as we see the commands to shepherd and the, and, and the commands to the sheep. We saw in verse 2 that they were to exercise oversight, not, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. They didn't do it just because someone was, it wasn't because of peer pressure or guilt. It's because they thought it was the appropriate stewarding of the gifts that God had given them. It says in, in verse 2, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, with enthusiasm. It isn't about getting money. And then it says, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. And the sheep are allotted by Jesus Christ to elders, but elders are not to lord it over them. They aren't to dominate. And that is going to be important as we look at, at, at the command there is for, for sheep to submit to their shepherds. It's not to elders who are dominating them, but elders instead who are an example to the flock. An example to the flock. Now, what is, though, this task of shepherds? The shepherd metaphor was understood by all in the ancient, in the ancient Near Eastern world. They, 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 they understood what shepherding was. Children knew what shepherding was. They knew what sheep were like and what shepherds did. And so for Peter just to say shepherd and flock in that world, it, it was plenty. It would bring up all kinds of thoughts of sheep and shepherds. But today we need to explore further. And so there's some, some, some blanks there. And I went through these quickly last week, to, to, to just kind of saying them. But here's what shepherds are to do. And this is important because there are shepherds among you now. You need to know how to pray for your shepherds. You need to know how to hold your shepherds accountable. You need to know when to involve shepherds in your life. You, all, you need to know when to go to your shepherds. And sh there's elders here who need to be reminded what that job is. And by God's grace, there's other men among here who will one day join us as elders. And they need to know what this high calling is. And for some of you, you might look at this calling and say, that is what I want to do. I want to be one of the shepherds. Not because of the power, not because of the sordid gain. That's obviously why we can't do this. Uh, but because of the work. So by God's grace, this task of shepherding will make some of you saying, can, can, can I get in line? Can I start a class where, where I can learn how to do that? We're also called to shepherd our, our families. So first, a shepherd knows his sheep. 
A shepherd knows his sheep is the first blank there. Shepherd knows his sheep. And I'm going to use a lot of verses here for, 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 for illustrating purposes. They're not all commands to elders, although some of them will be. But this is just what, what the writers of Scripture could either speak about the bad shepherds uh, uh, of Israel and how they failed, or what the true, uh, what God as true shepherd would do, or, and some, uh, they're, 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 they're stories of God's character. So, John 10 Verses 3 to 5, Jesus is speaking about the, him being the good shepherd and how the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, the showing that knowing there, he knows their sheep's name. John 10, verse 14, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. A shepherd knows his sheep. So elders, we must strive to know the sheep of Cornerstone Bible Church, those who've been apportioned to us. We need to know as much as in our ability their testimonies and their spiritual health, and their concerns, and their burdens, and their struggles, their spiritual gifts, their families, their ambitions for God's kingdom. Now, elders, you may not know the health of every sheep, but you must make sure, and it's our job, it's my job with you, to make sure that the health of every sheep is known. Right? We shouldn't be left with any one of you who've committed to be part of Cornerstone Bible Church. Scratch your head and say, oh, I don't know how they're doing. It's why we utilize a care group structure. Proverbs 27, verse 23, and here it's talking about actual flocks. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds, because if you don't, you're going to die. But it's just common wisdom there. But it's for us as shepherds, we need to know well the condition of you, the flock that God has apportioned to us. And so an elder has to work hard to discern uh, patterns of health and, and patterns even of sickness. How is Cornerstone Bible Church doing? And so we need to be good listeners. We need to practice hospitality, and that is an elder qualification. We need to have you in our homes and get together with coffees for you and lunches with you. And please, you can invite us too, so that, so that we can know how your hearts are. And sheep. I beg of you, be vulnerable with the elders. Brothers and sisters, be vulnerable with the elders. Ask them to pray for you. Confess your sins to them, not so that they can forgive you like some priest, but so that they can minister to you. Don't be languishing in sin and keep it hidden. Help us know you. Invite us into your home so that we can hear your hearts. A shepherd knows his sheep. A shepherd also watches his sheep. And this is the second blank. A shepherd watches his sheep. And many of you know the story in Luke 2 of the shepherds who are staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night, on the night of Jesus' birth. Acts 20, verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. A shepherd watches his sheep. So elders must be concerned where the sheep are, both physically and spiritually. I look around this morning. I know many of you are missing. I wonder, where are you? Hopefully you're listening. No, because I miss you. Yeah, I got weird all of a sudden. Maybe we'll edit that out. Yeah. Elders must be concerned where their sheep are. Also, elders, do you know the sheep who have begun, begun to wander? The ones who are kind of are skirting toward the edge of the field? Or do you only find out after they've wandered off? See, we want to be on the front line of saying, hey, wait, they're, 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 they're strange. The elders, we have to be attentive 
to the sheep's words, but their size, to their demeanor and their disposition, their attitudes and their attendance. But sheep, please don't expect the elders to be mind readers. When you're tempted to stay home, when that's becoming a pattern, please let us know. Let us know when you know your heart is starting to drift. When your heart is starting to pine for an easier path than being a disciple of Jesus Christ, please tell us. Help us help you. Help us be good shepherds. We have to give an account. The shepherd knows his sheep, he watches his sheep, and he pursues his sheep. Ezekiel 34, verses 4 through 6, talks about the bad shepherds that Israel had. The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. My flock wandered through all the mountains, and in every high hill my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. And that is God speaking about what the false shepherds of Israel did. That they didn't worry about bringing them back. They didn't go after them. Ezekiel 34, 16 describes God saying, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the scattered. Jesus uses this simple analogy in a parable. When man among you does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. So as elders, we must not leave the ones that have been apportioned to us to simply wander off. We have to go after them. We have to uh, barrage them with phone calls and say, where are you? Where are you? You think about leaving? Then let's get together and talk. It's part of why membership is 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 an essential part of being in a church. In, in, in today's church world, there are any number of churches that any of you could go to with a clear conscience. There's, there's lots of good churches. But the Lord's design is that his sheep are apportioned to one flock. And the Lord appoints elders to care for that flock. That's why membership is so important, so that we know who we are to care for. So that we know who we need to go after when we don't see you. If you have more questions about membership, about becoming a member, you might have looked through the Bible and say, I don't see it there. I would love to, to, to talk to you more about that. It's because we want to be good pursuers of God's flock. We want to pursue you until, until God has appointed you to another flock. And that does happen. The elders have to pursue those who wander into false teaching. Into perhaps relationships with those who don't know God. Into sins that, 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 that make it easy for them to hide. Into laziness of attending on Sunday morning. Into idolatry of the many gods of this world. Gods of of success and security, different achievements. We have to pursue you when there's sin in your life you don't repent of. And God has given us a, a, a plan of pursuit and reconciliation in Matthew 18. It's our commitment to keep going after you. And so members, if you believe that God would have you ever become part of another church, Please tell us as soon as you start thinking about that. We'd love to talk you through that. We are here for you. You are in our care, and we want to see you, if God ever has you go to another church, uh, safely brought 
to that next church, you know, to, to pass off sheep from one shepherd to, 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 to another shepherd. We never want to kind of be left like, well, where do they go? A shepherd also, and this is the fourth, uh, fourth protects his sheep. A shepherd protects his sheep. John 10, verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand is not concerned about the sheep. Now, that's not saying, that's, that's talking about Jesus there. But it shows an analogy of what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects his sheep. Acts 20, verses 29 to 30, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul speaks to the elders. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. That is capable of happening here. We're going to see when we get into 2 Peter. That is exactly what happened to the churches that Peter writes to in 2 Peter. Elders, you know that the sheep will be threatened. So what is threatening the sheep of Cornerstone Bible Church? What's threatening their witness before a lost world, their effectiveness in this body, their relationships within the body of Christ, their fulfillment of, of the Great Commission? What's, effective, what's threatening their marriages or their parenting? Their holiness is going to be threatened. They will watch TV shows that Christians shouldn't watch. They'll visit websites that they shouldn't. They will flirt with gods of this world. What is threatening them? We need to know. Their doctrine will be threatened by false teaching, both, both, both religious teaching and, and secular. Whether from blogs or bookstores, radios or cults, people will be threatened here. So sheep, trust your shepherds. Trust your elders. Ask for input. When you're starting to read something that doesn't sound quite right, please come and talk to us. Invite their counsel and, 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 and dialogue with us. We're the ones who will have to give an account for you. So help us give an account for you. Number five, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd nurtures his sheep. Again, we, we, we see what a false shepherd didn't do in Ezekiel 34.4. Those who are sickly you've not strengthened, the disease you've not healed, the broken you've not bound up, the scattered you've not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. This is what the false shepherds of Israel didn't do. Ezekiel 34, 16 is God's promise, though. As the good shepherd, I will seek the lost. I'll bring back the scattered. I'll bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. So, elders, as, as we listen and as we watch, as we pursue, as we evaluate, we have to respond. That is our job. It is to respond. This is how you can pray for us. If, if, if we know that one of the sheep is enslaved to a sin, our question is, how can I help them overcome the sin? If they are joyless, then our question is, how can I help them see and savor Jesus Christ? If they are flourishing, our question is, what's next for them? If they are, 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 are bitter, it's, it's how can we see them be forgiving? We want to see you grow. As shepherds, we need to get the help that you need. And sometimes we are out of resources. And sometimes we might call the elders from another flock and say, hey, do, do, do you have a really good resource? Because I've got a, a brother or sister who's struggling here. We want to get you to the help that you need from God's word so that you are nourished from God's word. 
The shepherd prays and he relies upon God's resources. It's why we need your help in doing so much of the ministry here. It's really a sweet thing about Cornerstone Bible Churches, the many ways that many of you serve. Acts 6.4, the elders need to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Part of that nourishing is, of course, feeding. And this is our sixth description of what a shepherd's task is. A shepherd feeds his sheep. A shepherd feeds his sheep. Ezekiel 34, verse 2. Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You guys are taking care of yourselves. What about the flock? Ezekiel 34, verse 13. And this is what God says. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. Just that contrast between the false shepherds and and the true God. And we know that we as shepherds are responsible to feed you. So by God's grace, the elders of Cornerstone Bible Church want to see you, I was going to use the word fat, but robust is better. We want to see you robust, word-saturated sheep. We want to see you very happy sheep. Sheep who are enjoying lots of green grass of God's word. The elders want to make sure that you are feasting and not fasting. We want you to not just get God's word on Sunday, but all week long. And we don't want to just get into your mind, but in your heart. We want you to be so happy in God's word, and sometimes devastated by it, and then restored by it. Encouraged and exhorted, we want to, for you to know that in God's word is where God's son is found, and in God's son there is life. So we don't want you to fast between Sundays. A shepherd, as shepherds, we must not be passive if our sheep are starving. It's our responsibility to make sure that each one of you know how to meditate on God's word for yourself. And so if you don't know how to open God's word and to take and eat, please tell us and we'll help you. We'll sit down with God's word open with you. We want to know that you are well fed from God's word. We want you to chew on the riches of his word. We want to see you come to a maturity of doctrine. We want to help you be hearers and doers of his word. Paul in Acts 20, verse 26 to 27 says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And that's what the elders want to do here. To not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. The Bible is too big for us to exposit every verse. But we want you to know the truth of God's word. To devote ourselves to that ministry. So sheep, brothers and sisters, and by sheep, it's endearing. If you've lost your appetite for God's word, please tell us. And last, a sheep sacrifices, a shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. A shepherd sacrifices for a sheep, and there's no greater example than that than our dear Savior. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Paul followed Jesus' example in Acts 20, verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly the gospel, the grace of the God. And there is the attitude, I do not consider my life of any account. And brothers and sisters, elders, that elders' lives are here to be spent for you. Now, by God's grace, I trust that you're spending your lives for one another, but our lives are to be spent for you. And this is what I've seen my fellow elders here do again and again. You sacrifice your time, elders' meetings often lasting till midnight or starting at 6.30 in, 
in the morning, fortunately not on the same day. You sacrifice your comfort. You do what's hard again and again, what's not comfortable. You bear heavy burdens. Elders sacrifice their, 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 their peace. They can't avoid conflicts. They can't stay on the sidelines. And we know, elders, as even I say these things, that shepherding is a, a weight. It is the way that Jesus has called us to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. That's nothing that all of us aren't called to. It's just this is the way that he's called us to. Really, we're, we're excited for who else God brings to join us. We are not alone in this, though. We exist as this extension of the chief shepherd. He's the one who promised, I'm low, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See, shepherding is the work that God requires of us. And this is why Peter said these encouraging things. I'm your fellow elder. I saw Christ suffer. It's true. And this is the path that he'll take you. And you also will be a partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. It's why he calls elders to question their motives for why they are doing this. Because it is a hard work. So don't do it under compulsion, but voluntarily. According to the will of God, not for sorry to gain, but with eagerness, and not because your power trip, not yet as lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example for the flock. This is Peter's command to the elders when he calls them to shepherd the sheep. But there's a command to the sheep too. And it's described in the first part of verse 5. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. The likewise indicates that Peter's moving on to a new group of people. He doesn't mean in the same way. And we saw that as the same word as he transitioned from, from, from wives to husband in 1 Peter 3, 7. And commentators have speculated, why is, is, is Peter addressing the younger men? And perhaps some have wondered, well, maybe he's using kind of a metaphor here. If elders, which actually means older, if those are the elders, older, the elders, then maybe the younger are the rest of the sheep, and, and it's possible. But most agree that Peter is, is addressing younger men. And the reason why is it's a portion of the flock, which at times, and it's not, it's not across the boards true, but if you know young men, it can be true, they have a particularly difficult time su 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 submitting to the elders. Younger men are often zealous. They are often eager to serve and passionate for the gospel, but at times they can struggle to submit to the elders. And of the flock, it's probably true that most often it is hardest on the younger men to follow what Peter says here. But the fact that Peter addresses the younger men doesn't mean that the rest of the church is left out. It's just he's addressing those who had struggled the most. All sheep are to follow their shepherds, not just younger men. So what does it mean here in verse 5 where it says, be subject to your elders? And this is a word that we've seen many times in 1 Peter. To, to be subject means to line yourself under, 
to line yourself under, to willingly submit your will to the will of another. It's like soldiers who have lined up to, to, receive, to, to receive the commands from their captains. Now, Peter's already used this word many times. He's called uh, slaves to be subject to, to their masters. He's called the citizens to be subject to the, to the government. He's called wives to be subject to their husbands. And in all of those, it's about doing the will of another. And the sheep are to do the will of the elders. Now, of course, we just came from that elders are not those who are to lord it over their sheep. They are not to be power tripping. It is not about getting their way. We just talked about this long description of the heart of a shepherd. And I hope by God's grace, you listen and say, those are the shepherds that I want. And by God's grace, those are the shepherds that you have. Shepherds that you aren't afraid of following. Hebrews 13, 17 says, says obey your leaders and, 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 and submit to them. And that word obey is, is, is to be persuaded by them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So here's the reason. They have to give an account for your souls. I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do with my sheep? And so the appeal here is to say, obey your leaders and, and submit to them in Hebrews 13, 7. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would, 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 would be unprofitable for you. Now, many are startled when they hear this command for the first time. And maybe it's not the first time you've heard it, and you're still startled. And some are disturbed because of the misuses of authority that they've seen in God's church. Or maybe that they've experienced firsthand where someone was power tripping and telling them, you have to do this. Maybe others have just simply never been taught this before. That there is an authority structure in God's church. One that's designed by God himself. And there are also those who, who know this command, who have been taught it, and who don't want to do it. Sometimes that can be out of fear. Sometimes it can be some of the, the American independent spirit that just bucks against doing it anyone else's way. Maybe that's just the human nature. Sometimes it, it feels easier to be like, you know, I don't really like what this elder said, so I'm going to go find another church. Now, obviously, you must never submit yourself to elders who are telling you to do something which God's word requires you not to do. You must never sin. And we've, di we've discussed this regarding submission in the past, and whether that's a citizen to the government, a slave to a master, a wife to her husband, a child to a parent. You must not sin. As Peter himself said in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. So the flock must not submit when the elders lead the people in sin. And the flock must not submit when the elders have abandoned the true gospel. But the flock does have to submit when the elders speak into their lives and calls them to obey the commands of God's word. They have to submit their will to the will of another. Now again, this is not talking about when they are lording over someone. This is not talking about someone who is trying to, to exercise dominion and trying to, 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 to get their way. Or, or I was just talking to a brother who says, you have to take that job. Now maybe an elder could say, brother, your family 
is struggling. I know it's not your favorite kind of work. I can't command you from Scripture you need to take that job. But Scripture does say you need to provide for your family. My counsel would be to take that job. Now, that's a great example of, of what does a, a submissive heart say? At the very least, I'm going to pray about that. To take that counsel, I need to provide for my family. So there's, there's I think, tact and wisdom here. When, when, when an elder is, is, is calling upon someone to make a choice, First, we have to teach what, what does God's word say? What is clear in God's word? And we need to be concerned about someone's heart. We need to have lives whose example can be followed. But let me present a case to you. There's times where, where a wise elder, a humble elder, would need to go to a brother or sister and, and, and go beyond what scripture says. And I'm going to say this cautiously. Like, for example, I've been counseling a man who has had an ongoing pattern of, of, of impurity, looking at poor, poor, poor pornography again and again for many months. And you've pled with the man, and you've counseled the man, and you've got accountability in, in the man's life. And then you finally go to the man and say, I know that God's word doesn't tell you to get rid of your television. But it does say to make no provision for your lust, for the flesh. And so, brother, I'm encouraging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm exhorting you even. Get rid of that television. Get rid of your smartphone. You can't handle it. This sin is going to keep you out of God's kingdom. So what does a submissive sheep do? You guys know. Right? See, a submissive sheep understands that they're not the shepherd, but that the chief shepherd has appointed shepherds to watch over their souls. What if an, an, an elder says to you, brother, we've explained to you many times why this teaching you're listening to is false doctrine. We've explained many times, we've opened up the, the word to you, we've sought to show you, and you still are listening. Brother, stop listening to this person. Is that, is that specifically in God's word that they can't go to turn on the radio to that? Well, no, it's an application. So what does a submissive sheep do? Well, that's who God has appointed to oversee my soul. I'm going to listen. Because, now this is not someone who's power tripping. It's not like, well, you're listening to the other pastor who's a much better preacher than, than, than I am, and I feel jealous. No, they're concerned you're listening to false teaching. Or what if the elders go a direction you disagree with? And whether that's they decide to plant a church or they cancel your favorite ministry or they pull support from your favorite missionary or they move location of the church into a rougher neighborhood or they ask everyone to attend a certain class. Now, notice ask, right? See, because wise elders, humble elders are going to be cautious when they do these things. But the sheep should be willing to submit to the elders, to line up under the elders. That doesn't mean that they can't ask questions, right? As a wife submits to her husband, she can ask questions humbly. It doesn't mean that sheep can't open scripture and say, brother, uh, I know you're the elder, but look what this passage says here. You guys should be doing that. 
It doesn't mean that they can't bring counter-reasoning. It doesn't mean that they can't encourage the elders to get outside counsel. It doesn't mean that they can't uh, plead with the elders to, 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 Brother, have you really prayed about this? Would, would, would you guys be willing to, to take some time and pray through this? See, all of that is done in a very humble way, a very dependent way. So this is why the uh, author of Hebrews says that it wouldn't be good for your soul to grieve those who have to give an account for you, but let them do it with joy. If you are concerned that we are overstepping the boundaries of Scripture, please tell us. But listen to our hearts and ask lots of questions when we encourage you. Now, lots of times it's very simple. It says, do this. But the reality is when we're counseling and when we're meeting and when we're discipling and when we're shepherding you, there's times just to say, brother, I think it's time for you to get rid of your smartphone. Because the Bible says that God changes those who are saved. Now, perhaps now you're feeling fearful. Uh, you're feeling a little nervous hearing this. You might have had some, some, some experience in the past that makes you nervous. Maybe your heart and mind is filled with what ifs. What if my elder abuses this power? What if the elders make bad choices? What if they become legalistic? What if they go beyond scripture? What if the elders take us down a wrong doctrinal path? Well, God has a plan for how the sheep and shepherd interaction is going to work for his glory. God has a plan. And that plan is the rest of this verse. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I have to tell you, as I was, I really wanted to, to bundle all of this together because it's such a great capstone. But my heart was really too impacted uh, at my own need to grow in being humble. And so I thought, well, if I need to grow in being humble, then, then, then maybe we'll all benefit from that. So, 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 so we're just going to focus on that passage next week. Without humility, the elders are going to fail and the sheep are going to fail. God is a master builder. And he has the perfect design for his church. It is for the elders to shepherd and for the sheep to follow their lead. We must be committed to God's design. Elders have to shepherd according to God's instruction or they're not God's elders. And sheep have to submit according to God's instruction because that's also a mark of them being saved. As we humbly fulfill the roles that God has given each of us, God alone will be exalted for his wisdom. The son will be honored as the chief shepherd. The saints will bring spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The saints will proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And a lost world will see our good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. So let's make Jesus known by being something that's so countercultural, by being faithful shepherds and submissive sheep. Let's pray. And dear Father, I thank you uh, for your word. And um, this is, it, it, it is hard to talk about these issues, about leading and submitting. And the authority is your word. It doesn't come from me. Lord, it was hard for me to talk about, about husbands and wives because I see the many ways that I fall short.
And it's such a, a, a challenging uh, command for a wife to follow a fallen husband. Lord, we need to do that with such humility in our marriages, and we as elders need such humility in the church. And we can't do this apart from your help. Lord, this is all about the glory of your Son, about Him making us shepherds when that is none of the natural tendency of our souls, that we are selfish and self-absorbed. And it's also making sheep willing to follow shepherds, even fallen shepherds, uh, when our natural willingness is not to submit ourselves to the wills of others. Father, this is a, a humbling a process to go through, but it's one that exemplifies the power of Christ, one that exalts Christ alone. So, Father, we don't want to look at this passage being fearful, just as much as husbands and wives can't look at it being fearful, or our poor ancient brothers and sisters uh, who were slaves uh, could look at this with fear. We want to be focused on something else. We want to focus upon making Christ the chief shepherd known. And so please, Father, we want to exalt your Son by listening to your instructions. We thank you that you are building us into this temple where you are going to be glorified, where you are going to be exalted. So we can't do this on our own. I pray for the, the elders here, including myself, that we would be so humble and so faithful. Lord, this is a, a hard message to preach, a hard, hard message for us as elders to listen to. There's so many shortcomings that I feel. Please, Lord, uh, support us and please support us through the prayers of our brothers and sisters here. I pray, Father, that the sheep here would feel well-nurtured and well-fed and well-protected and well-pursued. But I also pray, Lord, that they would make this job as easy on us as possible by being vulnerable and by being here and by being eager to be fed and eager to be taught and by confessing their sins and by, by, by submitting to our imperfect rule to the extent that it matches up with your word. Father, you alone are going to receive the glory for what you accomplished through your son. In Jesus' name, amen.